Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Uh, yeah, guys, it's just a little promo about um, us and, and the ministry that we've worked with now for 16 years, YWAM Kona. Youth with a Mission is a global missions movement, um, about 30,000 full-time staff working in every nation on the earth, and about 5 million people now have come through Youth with a Mission on a short-term or long-term basis since 1960, so we're 62 years deep, and uh, it's a phenomenal mission to be a part of. YWAM Kona is our largest training location, and about two weeks ago, we had over 1,000 students show up in Kona for short-term missions training. And a bunch of them are also getting ready to go long-term. We have over 40 in our long-term training right now that will leave in January. That's the next batch to go. There's actually two Church on the Rock girls that are in our discipleship training schools right now, which is so fun. Uh, Chloe and Emerald, if any of you know them. And they are having a blast. I, I got to speak in Emerald School this last week. Also, just a, a fun report uh, for you guys. Last year I was here, and um, again, so fun to be with you guys in Palmer. I got to speak to you guys, and I'm speaking to you again. But I was sharing with you a little bit about the Send. And you remember, this is a stadium gathering that we're putting on uh, in various locations now around the country and around the world to mobilize the body of Christ into missions en masse. And last, or this year, we got to be in Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, gathered about 35,000 people there. And then in Norway, in uh, the biggest arena in downtown Oslo, just over 10,000 people were there and saw thousands and thousands of young people say yes to God's call of missions. Whether that's crossing a street to go to their neighbor or going to their local high school and being a missionary in their high school, or if it's crossing an ocean to go to a tribe that has never heard. And I just want to say, God is alive and well, and he is moving in this generation And Church on the Rock is at the very center of this. You know, these missionaries that you are supporting all over the world, God is moving through you as a church. I want to thank you for being part of it. Um, I just want to also give a a quick plug for the Brinkman Adventures. Our kids have been listening to these shows for about the last six or seven years, and they love these shows. We listen to them in the car all the time. David's giving me the eight sign. So eight years. And they love these shows. So if you've never gotten them, if you have kids, you know, David is 12. He's our oldest. And he is engrossed in these stories all the way down to our kids who are like four or five. They love the stories. I would highly recommend grabbing some of these. They've been such a blessing to our family. And thank you. I I love hearing the story of how God gave you the vision for that. I didn't know those stories. Um, So thank you for responding to the call of God. It's incredible. Um, Well, guys... Let's jump into the scriptures. I want you to open your Bibles with me today, and we're going to jump in to looking at this promise that God has given us in the gospel and in the Holy Spirit. And and this is the the theme verse for you guys and and for all of us as we're here for this missions conference for these few days. And I'm just going to read it to you. It's in Acts chapter 2, and it is uh, verse 38 and 39. And just a tiny bit of backstory for you. If, you. if you weren't there on Friday night, Kelly Brake just blasted on this passage. Yeah. And if you weren't there, you should probably just stay for second service because he's coming here right after and it will be amazing. 
He's literally one of my favorite preachers on the earth. So just stay for second service. It'll be amazing. But um, he, he went deep into this, but just a little context for you if you weren't there. This is right after the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the disciples. And the day of Pentecost has happened. They're all speaking in tongues. They spill out onto the streets of Jerusalem. And this is the, um, this is the, the, the same Jerusalem that just, you know, 40 days or so earlier crucified Jesus. The same Jerusalem where the disciples were denying Jesus, where they were hiding in fear. The Holy Spirit empowers them and they spill out on the streets proclaiming the gospel in all these tongues, all these languages. And the people gather around them and hear the gospel and they are cut to the heart that they crucified Jesus. And they say, what should we do? And then Peter says this, he says, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And what a tremendous theme for a missions conference. That the promise is not just for those of us who are sitting here, but it's for our generations after us. Come on, can I get an amen? Who wants your kids to know Jesus? Who wants your kids to know Jesus more than you know Jesus? I mean, this is the dream of our lives, as Jenny and I, is that our kids would know Jesus with an intimacy and a reality that far exceeds us. But it's not just for our generations, it's actually for all who are far off. It's for everyone who is far you know, geographically off, everyone who is far ideologically off, everyone who is far from the gospel, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of God is for everyone. And it's for you today, and it's for me, and it should mark us. So um, I'm just going to pray, if that's okay. I just, I just want to acknowledge the presence of Holy Spirit and and ask that in the next 20 minutes or so, the Lord would mark us in a fresh way. And I want to ask you that if you want a marking today, if you want something more than just ticking the box that you came to church on Sunday, then you would just join with your heart in prayer as I pray. So Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence here. And I want to thank you for all that you do through this body and through this house. And every time I come to this place, I sense the sweet presence of God at Church of the Rock, Homer. And Lord Jesus, we want to ask you that, that you would meet us here today. We want to ask you that you would give us revelation today of this promise that is for us and for our children and for those who are far from you, Jesus. And I want to ask you that you would shape us into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we're going to look at this promise and we're going to frame it in Romans chapter 8 um, because there's many different ways to look at the promise of the Holy Spirit and it's like a beautiful gem, you know, as you look at the gospel, there's so many new angles. So open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, if you will, and um, I want to I share three things with you today that the promise of the gospel is. The promise is three things. The first one is the promise is a family. You're invited into the family of God. The second one is the promise is an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And the third one is the promise is a calling. A calling of God. And so let's open our Bibles here. Romans chapter 8. 
And we're going to start here in verse um, 14. And Romans chapter 8, friends, this is like the, the Mount Everest of the Bible. If there's a mountain range, you know, and, and there's lots of high points in the scriptures, Romans chapter 8 may be the highest point in the scriptures. It's where Paul makes his case for what the gospel has done because of Jesus Christ in all of our lives. And there is so much richness in it. I mean, I read it again this morning, and I could hardly decide like which things that I could tell you about, because I, I could tell you for probably all day about the richness of the gospel that's here. But we're going to start here in this phenomenal passage, verse 14, that talks about us being invited into the family of God. It says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may, that we may also be glorified with him. Friends, I love it that when Jesus came and died and rose again, he didn't die and rise again just so that you could get a ticket into heaven one day. And he also didn't just die and rise again so that you could do a ton of stuff for him and try and be a really good person. That's not the reason that Jesus came to the earth. And that's not the reason that he sent his Holy Spirit. When he died and rose again and you looked at him and believed, you were invited into the family of God. You were invited into this dance of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that for eternity past have been dancing in love and intimacy and relationship, one with the other, one God, three persons. We can't understand it other than to say, God is love. And when you looked at Jesus and believed, you were not invited into a big to-do list of things that you had to do you know, attend church on Sunday and read your Bible for half an hour a day and, you know, make sure that you give and do this and do that and the other thing. More than anything, you are invited into a family. And what does that mean? It means that you now are never alone. Let's read these words again because it's astounding. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, this promised Holy Spirit that comes and lives on the inside, are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons. I love it that in the first century when Paul was writing this, you could disown a natural son, but you could never disown someone that you had adopted. Did you know that? You are, you have, if you've looked at Jesus and believed, you have been brought into a family that now no matter what happens, that family can never disown you ever again. And it's not just any family. This is the family of the divine. And so, I don't know about you, but some of us struggle to believe that. I struggle to believe it because I don't feel oftentimes like I'm close to God. You know, I, I wake up in the morning and I, I drink some coffee and I try and rub the sleep out of my eyes and I open my Bible and, you know, oftentimes I'm reading and it just seems like words on a page and I'm not feeling anything and I'm not feeling close to God, but the words here that we can look at and believe is that the promise is that we have been brought into the family of God. And then I love this next line because the Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit that is for you and is for your children and is for all that are far off, 
he testifies to our spirit that we're children of God. He whispers to us over and over again, you're a son, you're a daughter. And maybe you've screwed up again and you're like, there's no way I I could possibly be part of God's family because why would he want someone like me who's such a screw up? And, And the spirit goes, no, no, no. Like you were adopted, you're a son, you're a daughter. I'm never leaving you ever again. And maybe you feel like, no, 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 but, but the past that I have and the things that I did before, I, maybe I get into jail free through heaven, but it's not possible that I could be kind of like not the black sheep in the family anymore. And, and the Holy Spirit goes, no, 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 you're at the center of the dance. You've been brought into the middle. You are loved. You are in this family now. And you begin to wake up to all that it is to be a son or a daughter of God. But it doesn't stop there. So the promise is that we are in God's family. But then it doesn't stop there. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. What in the world does this mean? If we're children, then we are heirs. We have an inheritance, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. I want to tell you a story, and it's a really personal story. Um, it's about my oldest son, David, and I asked him permission today if I, could, if I could share with you guys, and he said a hearty yes, so I have permission to share. But our oldest son, David, he's adopted. Um, he was our firstborn son. We had no kids when we, we brought David into our home, and he was two and a half. And um, the, the story went a little bit like this. I'll just give you some of the broad strokes of it. Um, it's a subject that I love to talk on and can talk on deeper with you another time. But in uh, early 2013, Jenny and I got a phone call from someone in her extended family that her cousin's son um, was going to have to be put up for adoption. And her cousin was a little bit estranged from the family at that point. And it was Jenny's aunt, who was the grandma, who called us and said, would you ever be interested in this? So... Uh, we flew out to Austin, Texas, where David was at the time, and, and met him and his grandma. And, uh, you know, just it's so weird. You know, we walked out of the airport um, in Austin, and I got in the backseat of a car next to a two-year-old boy that I had never met that was going to be our son. It was like such an interesting moment, you know. And we got to know him a little bit, and then uh, we, had, we, we agreed, yes, we're going to go for this. So a few weeks later, I flew to um, Iowa, where they were at the time. They'd, they'd moved to Iowa. And I picked up David and brought him back to our home. It was August 2013. And Jenny at the time was, was pregnant with um, our first pregnancy, our daughter Kyra now, who is eight. And uh, we were going through the process of the adoption process through that whole fall, figuring out the paperwork, all that kind of stuff. And on December, help me with the date, 16th, 2013, we went to the courthouse in Kona, Hawaii um, to, to have the adoption court case, Right? And uh, Jenny is now nine months pregnant. Kyra will, will actually be born two weeks later exactly, on the 30th. So she's, Jenny's very pregnant with Kyra. And we walk into the courthouse. We have some friends and family there. And, and we walk into the courthouse and we take our seats. Then it's all rise for the judge. The judge walks in, you know. And then um, he, he says, hey, can everyone state your appearances? So we go around the room and we all say who we are. You know, I'm, I'm Johnny Gillespie. This is my wife, Jenny. And, and who is this boy? Well, this is David Fuller. And he's like, oh, yeah, I see. This is the, the adoption. And then everyone else introduces themselves, and we all sit down. And the judge, um, he said, okay, well, you know, we're going to get started here. I want you to, 
no, all your paperwork is in order. And I was so relieved because I had done the paperwork to try and save about $3,000, okay? So I was like, oh, whew, praise God. I'd been sweating bullets, you know? And then he said, okay, but before I pronounce the adoption, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And we were like, of course, your honor, you know? And he says um, to me and Jenny, he says, do you understand that when I pronounce the adoption, David will have the same rights as if he was born to you? And he can see that Jenny is, is pregnant, you know, and, and very pregnant. She's nine months pregnant. You know, she's ready to have a baby. Do you, do you understand that David will have the same rights as if he was born to you? And we said, yes, your honor. You know, we understand that. And he said, well, I want to clarify. And I think this is the Holy Spirit, friends, because of what God did through this moment in my life and in my heart. He said, I want to clarify. Do you understand? David will have the same rights as if he was born to you including your inheritance? And I said, yes, your honor, we, we understand that. And he said, okay, well, by the power vested in me in the state of Hawaii, you know, et cetera, et cetera, I pronounce him to be your son. His new name is David John Riley Gillespie. And we were in the courthouse for about 15 minutes and we walked out and we had, you know, walked in 15 minutes before and something happened and we walked out and in a lot of ways it felt really similar you know, felt really similar. But everything had changed. Do you follow? We walked into the courthouse at 3.15 in the afternoon on December 16th, 2013, and David was an orphan. He was an orphan. His name was Fuller. Um, you know, we were Gillespie, and, um, you know, he had, he had no right to the Gillespie family fortune. Okay, which got, by the way, like we owned one car at the time and that was it, okay? Not very impressive. But we walked out at like 3.35 and everything has changed. You know, if we had, you know, had some tragic accident on the way to the courthouse, David owns nothing. If we had a tragic accident 20 minutes later, everything that we have belongs to this boy. Isn't that crazy? everything that we have. This is what the promise is, is you've been brought into a family, but it's not just a family that has nothing. You've been brought into a family and now you have an inheritance. And it says you are now a co-heir with Christ. Like, do you know anyone else who is a son of God, the son of God? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And the gospel, Paul is saying here that the promise is not just, well, now you're part of the family and you did get out of jail and now there's a lot of love, but that's about it and that's about all you can expect for your life. No, the promise is everything that you see that Jesus has is available to you. Everything. Everything. God did a tremendous work in my heart through a moment with a judge because I realized, you know what, even though that had happened, I did not really believe it. Because here's the, the epilogue to the story, you know, this was the first four months that David was in our home. Kyra was born two months later, or two weeks later. She, she was born into a family that was filled with love and born into a family that had abundance and born into a family that every need that she had was met. She had never lived as an orphan. So she just grew up with this is the understanding of what life is. Whereas I can tell you, David has had to learn to believe that what he has is actually true. 
And when I see David and his journey growing in understanding of the inheritance he actually has as a Gillespie, I see my own journey with God. Because I have all this in Christ. I just don't believe it. The rent comes rolling around again and I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, how am I going to pay? You know? Instead of going, no, 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 everything that the Father has is available to me. You know, sickness comes rolling around and again, I'm like, oh no, like what are we going to do? No, no, everything that Jesus has is available to you, right? Just like David has grown up now and now he's 12 years old and he's been in our home for nine years. Nine years? Wow, buddy. It's amazing. And now he believes it. He, he, has, he has woken up to the reality that he's living in that's been my journey with Jesus. It's not that suddenly I'm, I'm gaining more and more in the kingdom. It's just I'm learning to believe what I already have, right? You know, it was a really interesting thing. We, we brought one of our other kids with us, Ashland, and we did not plan it this way. It just happened, but Ashland is also adopted. We brought her and her brother into our home through foster care in 2018, and they were going to go back to birth mom, and then stuff happened, and that didn't happen. And so they ended up staying with us. In January 2020, we finalized an adoption of them, you know. But what was so stunning to me in my journey with Jesus was watching David, you know, 2018, they came into our home. He'd been in our home almost five years. And watching him become one of the major evangelists of these other two kids who came into our home, what life was like in the Gillespie home. You know, Ashlyn and Kealoha, when they came to us, they'd been living as orphans. They were three and one, and um, for the 18 months prior, they'd been in foster care, and we were their fifth foster home. Can you imagine just bouncing home to home? And they came into our home, and we sat our kids down the night before they came, and we said, hey, these kids are coming. We don't know how long they're here. But as long as they're here, we're mom and dad, and you're their brothers and sisters, and that's the way it is, and we're going to show them how awesome it is to be a Gillespie. And you know what? It was amazing the next day to watch David start to show these other kids what it was like to be a Gillespie. Because let me tell you, we're not just in the family of God and we don't just have an inheritance now, but actually we have a family calling, right? And so when you become a follower of Jesus and the promise hits your life, you start to realize, I'm loved. And then, wow, everything that Jesus has is available to me. But now I have a calling, and it's to tell someone. It's to make it known. I mean, think about this. Everything that you have received from God, richness of intimacy with the Father, provision, security, the supernatural, friendships, relationships, the family, the people of God. Isn't it so good? When you realize how good your family is, it becomes easy to invite other people into the family. I um, was just pondering this this morning. The Lord took me to the book of Luke because I, um, I was just thinking about what is this inheritance that we have in Christ? And uh, Jesus inaugurates his ministry by reading Isaiah 61. In the book of Luke, he, he's in the synagogue. It's at the start of his ministry. And he reads Isaiah 61, and then he sits down, and he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And it's easy to read this verse and go, oh yeah, 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 that's all Jesus for sure. Jesus was all of those things. 
But then to read it in the context of Romans chapter 8, where we are co-heirs with Christ, and everything that is available to him is available to you and to me, is a different thing. So I just want to read this to you, and I'm going to finish here in a few minutes. But this is where, when we get a hold of the promise, suddenly the mission becomes so much more doable. Because this is just doing what our family does, right? I want to read this to you. And remember, this is Jesus' words that he read at the start of his ministry. And again, easy to think that's good for Jesus. But I want to read, I want to read it over you and for you to read it as if it is about you because it is. Here's the words, Isaiah 61. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. I'm going to pause here just for a minute. The spirit of the Lord God is upon you so that you can be part of the family of God. The promise of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit whispering to you day after day, you're a son, you're a daughter, believe it, believe it. I know you're not believing it yet, but I want to remind you, you're a son, you're a daughter. And then the spirit of God is upon you and upon me so that we would have the inheritance of the kingdom and all the supernatural and all the provision and all the fullness that Jesus walked in would be available to you and to me. But then the spirit of God is upon you so that you would do the same things that Jesus did. I'll just read these again because you don't have to do all of them. You could pick one. Pick one, but maybe has he anointed you to bring good news to the poor? Here in Palmer, has he sent you to bind up the brokenhearted? Have any of you met anyone who's brokenhearted? I want to tell you, the anointing of God is on you to bind up their heart. You don't even have to know what the words are to say. When you walk into the room to bind up the brokenhearted, the spirit of God is upon you. To proclaim liberty to the captives, as with Gary Lewis at the Wasilla campus, who goes in to speak to the prisoners, and he said, some of those guys are the freest guys I know. They're locked up, but their heart is free. What about to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes? Where they're mourning, you go and you give them beauty. This is why the Spirit of God is upon you. You have a calling to be like Jesus. And then I love how this ends. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you to do all those things for people that they would be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient, ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities. God wants to use you, Church on the Rock, Palmer, to carry his spirit to those that are lost and they will be the ones that build up this community, this society, anywhere where there's a ruin. This is what it's for. It's the promise of the gospel is for you, that you would be part of a family, that you'd have an inheritance, but then you'd have a calling. 
I want to pray for you guys today. Father in heaven, we want to ask you that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to the revelation of the gospel, Lord Jesus. God, I want to ask you that just like my son David is beginning to understand and believe what it is to be in our home, God, would you wake us up? Would you wake me up, Lord Jesus? Would you open our eyes to understand and believe the inheritance that we have in you? Would you help us to know and believe what it is to be in your family, Lord Jesus? And then, Lord Jesus, would you give us your calling to go to the lost? God, I want to ask you that today, all across this room, God, you would mark us with the truth that we are anointed to go to the lost. God, I thank you that we don't have to wait. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is already dwelling on the inside. Spirit of God, open our eyes and our hearts today. I want to ask you that this church would be more on mission than they have ever been before. And the lost of Palmer would come to know you because these people are walking in the promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.